From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi, RV, camper, your parents' basement loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special welcome to all of you listening to the podcast on TalkZone.com. The affiliates, of course, across North America, from Alaska to Lubbock, Texas, the Conspiracy Show app, and of course, those of you streaming us live on YouTube through our Hangout On Air, HOA, however and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. A plasma physicist, John Brandenburg, author of Death on Mars, is standing by to discuss evidence for an ancient civilization on Mars and its destruction in a massive nuclear holocaust. First, uh, let me say hello to um, Ian Robertson, our technical producer, Albert Vinzel, our story producer and occasional remote viewer, and of course, uh, Victor Vigiani, executive director of Zeland Communications News Network, uh, the website zlandcommunications.blogspot.ca. Hello, Victor. Always a pleasure to be with you, Richard. Looking forward to this show. Indeed, indeed we are. Uh, let's get right to it, shall we? John Brandenburg, a PhD, is a plasma physicist. He did his graduate work in California at Lawrence Livermore National Lab in controlled plasmas for fusion power. And he's worked in defense, energy, and space research. Dr. Brandenburg was also part of the Clementine mission to the moon, which discovered water at the moon's poles. However, the focus of his scientific career has been to complete the great effort of Einstein to unify the two long-range forces of nature, gravity and electromagnetism. His new book is Death on Mars. John, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, I'm just great, and it's a great honor to be on your show, sir. A real pleasure. Well, this is, uh, <laughs> I was going to say earth-shattering, but I guess we should say Mars-shattering. This, <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, yeah. The, the fact that you're, like, you're... I'm glad pre- we can laugh about it. <laughs> well, well, you know, what they say, time plus, you know, tragedy plus time equals comedy, but we're talking 250 million years, <laughs> I think, you know... We can laugh at it by now. Yeah. yeah. But the idea that, I mean, you are presenting this stuff to the Pentagon. That's, to me, this information, this, this oh, evidence. Well, when we discovered it, we... When we discovered there were nuclear weapon signatures on Mars, um, at the urging of Vince DiPietro, my co-worker, who was one of the original researchers on the face in Cydonia, the, pyramid, the DNM pyramid, um, we uh, decided, I decided we had to inform the Pentagon, and um, we were able to do that through a back channel. And uh, we briefed one of, a representative of the Defense Intelligence Agency, and he was very sober and took careful notes, and that he they'd get back to us through channels and um, about six months later uh, they got back to me and said uh, and as usual with the US intelligence um, community their response to my question was a question I said well what am I what should I do about this and they said why don't you publish it and so I uh, began to figure out how to get this into the mainstream scientific literature. Uh, one way we, uh, one way I looked at was that on Earth there were natural nuclear reactors in Africa, operating about a billion years ago, and um, these were a very natural event. Um, water, groundwater, got into very rich uranium deposits, 
and started uh, a natural nuclear reactor going um, with the uranium ore being very much enriched with the uranium-235 in those days. It's a billion years ago. So I, I uh, hypothesized that that had occurred on Mars. However, uh, as I presented that at scientific conferences, and that ended up as a Wikipedia article, by the way, uh, I get honorable mention there on natural nuclear reactors. Uh, they, people pointed out that it was giving the wrong signature for a nuclear reactor, which has um, moderated neutrons, low-energy neutrons. Um, you know, the, this would not produce what we saw on Mars, only a, a fast neutron reaction, uh, as in a nuclear weapon, would produce it. We also found then two big radioactive scars on Mars, one in a place called Mare Acidalium near Cydonia, and the other one in Utopia Planitia, uh, which happens to be near a other site of what looks like archaeology on Mars called Galaxius Chaos. These are NASA-assigned names. By Excuse the way. me, John, what is a radioactive scar exactly? Uh, it's an area of Mars that is more radioactive than the surroundings. And um, I have a web page up called lifeonmars.pub, and people can visit that and they can see all of the data uh, I have you know laid out. And um, on Mars, there's two areas of radioactive potassium, um, and then there also at that, those same areas there's also radioactive thorium which is a naturally radioactive element. And um, what's interesting is in the center of those areas is a lot of molt, is a lot of glass, as if uh, like a kind of a volcanic glass, but it's been etched by acid. And this is also, uh, this is detected by infrared light. Uh, in, glass gives a special reflectance in infrared light. And um, they discovered that the, this, this matches what's called trinitite, which is a type of glass created in nuclear explosions by dust being pulled up into the fireball of a nuclear weapon going off. What's also interesting is there are no craters at these sites. Why is that significant? It indicates that whatever happened went off in midair. It was not a, if it had been a natural nuclear reactor, it would have gone off under the ground in some kind of uranium deposit or something like that, and uh, it would have created a large crater. Instead, there are, is no crater. There's only a broad, shallow depression, and this is typical of what you call an airburst in nuclear weapons terminology. You must understand, I went to school to study nuclear fusion energy, and part of the time I spent studying laser fusion, which is creating a miniature hydrogen bomb, and so I ended up working down at the end of the lab where they did nuclear weapons design. In fact, I was had the dubious honor of being there when they invented the neutron bomb. And uh, <laughs> you had to understand the mindset. Uh, so I, I learned a lot about nuclear weapons from just working there, and the guys down the hall told me, John, the neutron bomb is great because it only destroys people. <laughs> It right. leaves all the valuable yes, stuff, exactly. cars, buildings. That is indeed a <laughs> rather intact. interesting I'm mindset. sitting there as a graduate student, uh, drinking my coffee and smiling and nodding. 
<laughs> Isn't technology grand? Yes. Yes, it well, you know, it. Some people get a little too close to the problem, and it becomes a blind spot to them. They lose the, you know, the big, uh, the big picture view of it. In any case, um, so I had become quite familiar with uh, nuclear weapons, the basic uh, physics and design of nuclear weapons, while I was at Livermore, and um, so I. What happens in a hydrogen bomb is a a fission bomb usually set, is used to set off the hydrogen reaction. A small atomic bomb compresses a ball of hydrogen isotopes or hydrogen lithium isotopes. You can read about this all on Wikipedia, by the way. And uh, it used to be classified, but now it isn't. And the ball is compressed and basically turns into a star, or rather a kind of a miniature supernova. And then what they do is they wrap the outer casing of the um, bomb with uranium or thorium. And the neutrons released by the hydrogen reaction are very powerful and very energetic, and they actually fission the normally inert uh, uranium-238 and thorium, thus doubling the violence of the explosion, the explosive yield. And this creates an enormous amount of fallout, but it's also a cheap way to double the yield of your hydrogen bomb. And so a standard hydrogen bomb in the arsenals of all the major nations on Earth uh, is basically a mixed hydrogen fission reaction. And that appears to, uh, that creates an enormous amount of an isotope called uh, xenon-129, it's a, one of the family of isotopes of uh, xenon, and it's characteristic of fast neutron reactions, as in a bomb or, uh, or special reactors used to make plutonium. And it would have a half-life of at, at least 250 million years? Oh, no, the, uh, the uranium, uh, xenon-129 is actually stable. It will be around at the end of the universe. It's, uh, it's a... Sta- it a Many people worry about, you know, of course, the radioactive isotopes created by nuclear explosions, but this isotope is actually stable. So it's, it's, uh, it bears witness even a billion years after the fact. And so how are you estimating that it's 250 million years ago that this oh, nuclear uh, explosion... That is based on, <clears throat> appears to be the time when the climate on Mars changed from being Earth-like to... Um, what it is now. The ocean on Mars appears to have lasted until about a quarter of a billion years ago. And the atmosphere was there yes, until about... And in order to have a liquid ocean, you had to have a dense atmosphere and, and uh, the greenhouse effect caused by a dense CO2 atmosphere to make the water liquid. And um, also we have... Uh, that's just a rough estimate, though. Uh, we have a... Uh, <clears throat> one meteorite from Mars that is heavily bombarded with neutrons, and it's 180 million years old, and it's a lava sandwich. It's actually two lava flows fused together that are were apparently very close uh, in age, and one of them shows heavy marks of uranium, uh, I mean of uh, irradiation, the other one doesn't. So approximately 180 
million years ago to 250 million years ago appears to be the time frame that this occurred. All right. What's a quarter billion years among friends? Let's. Uh, I know. Well, <laughs> we'll take a time out, John. Uh, we'll we'll get back uh, into this in a big way. John Brandenburg, plasma physicist, author of Death on Mars. Victor Vigiani in studio. More in a moment, right here on the Conspiracy Show. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740 John Brandenburg is with us plasma physicist and the author of Death on Mars and he says there is clear evidence of a uh, nuclear holocaust taking place on the red planet some 250 million years ago. Who had nuclear weapons 250 million years ago? That's the uh, obviously the million-dollar question. Let me work uh, Victor Vigiani in here. Yeah, I, actually, that's the, one of the points that I want to try to, to broach. Um, in, in a sense, John, um, your, your research, John, says mm-hmm. that, that this is a unique event. You know, it happened in a certain specific way in two places, in two places on yep. Mars. It wasn't something that just sort of happened as a natural set of... Uh, uh, you know, there's no known it, phenomena right. that can yeah. create this. So, so, I mean, natural phenomena. Yeah. So the, the only other logical, unless I'm taking a different position here, uh, someone had to create those conditions. Yes. And so uh, does that not allude to uh, the existence of something? Let's leave that there for a second but and go back to the whole idea of your communication with the Pentagon and their acceptance of the fact that you should actually publish. Is that not a yes. tacit admission that something's going on here, that they want to release it in, in a, uh, through a back door yeah. or something? How's that working? Uh, I've spent a great deal of time uh, thinking what were their motiva- motivations. I I was a somebody working for the U.S. government at the time as a contractor, and uh, if they had said, "We, uh, Dr. Brandenburg, this is you've stumbled on something classified. Please don't talk about it to anybody," I would have just naturally accepted that. Instead, they basically waved me ahead. Apparently. They want this to come out, and the U.S. government has apparently known about this since 1976. Um, now, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased to hear this is conspiracy radio. I didn't think Canadians believed in conspiracy <laughs> theories. <laughs> oh, no, no. Most Americans view that the Canadians are much more psychologically healthy than we are. Well, we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it must be, paranoia must be contagious. But uh, anyway, the U.S. government has known about this since, at least as a possibility, since about 1976, when we landed with the two Viking probes, and they sampled the atmosphere and found the Xenon-129, and um, which is a clear indicator. Uh, I've shown this to other uh, nuclear physicists who are you know, familiar with the uh, forensics of nuclear weapons, you know, f- reconstructing nuclear weapons from uh, residues in the atmosphere, and they agree with me. Uh, what's also interesting is Stan Friedman, the guest on uh, just the previous hour, has also looked at this and agrees with me. He says any any alien visiting this planet would know that from sampling our atmosphere that we've set off a lot of nuclear weapons. So um, I regard that as, uh, uh, of course, I've always felt Stan was a gentleman and a scholar, but... But I was very heartened by his support in this. 
and he is a trained nuclear physicist. I'm a plasma physicist. Basically, I learned a lot of nuclear physics, but my major focus was plasmas. Uh, however, what's interesting is the two sites of the um, what appears to have been the nuclear explosions that happened midair. Uh, and by the way, that's like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They did not leave big craters at Hiroshima and Nagasaki when the bombs went off, uh, and that was not done for humanitarian reasons. That was done to maximize the blast effect in the atmosphere. Uh, but if you look downwind of both sites, where the strongest shock waves and the strongest um, uh, fallout would have fallen, uh, it's Cydonia Menza and another site called Galaxius Chaos in the Utopia Planitia Basin. And uh, both of these are discussed in the online articles that you can find on the net and uh, also in the book, uh, Death on Mars. And um, there at Galaxis Chaos, there's another large face, carved face, similar to the one in Cydonia. And uh, we have known about that one since about 1984 and uh, published that. Lifeonmars.pub is uh, the website. Lifeonmars.pub. Like English pub, yes. Uh, do you have reason then to believe that this is, you know, why they sent the rover back up there to collect yeah, further they data? Yeah, carefully avoided the areas of of actual, um, you know, where we found archaeological remains. Uh, by the way, the the civilization on Mars looks as though it was primitive, humanoid, and, um, um, and, and of course it is dead now. And one reason I believe the U.S. government is allowing this to come out is because this is the best way to break it to the, break the news to humanity that we're not alone in the universe and that the universe is can sometimes be a very dangerous place. Well, if someone had nukes 250 million years ago, I don't even want to go there, I mean, in terms of what they would have now in terms of the capability. <laughs> well, whoever did this, I think, is long gone. The civilization on Mars that was targeted, I mean, people don't drop these enormous hydrogen bombs out of space and have them explode on midair for no reason. Apparently, they were targeting somebody, and the target was a what appears to have been a very primitive kind of Bronze Age civilization uh, with who carved faces, uh, large faces that were humanoid. I mean, they don't have big fangs or horns on their head or anything like that. They look like pretty. Cl- they look somewhat similar to human faces, and um, this is actually the best way. This is actually a godsend. This is the best way to break it to the um, public on Earth, that we are not alone in the universe. There are other people out there. And um, by, you know, finding a dead civilization, a dead humanoid primitive civilization, this is absolutely no threat. No, it, it presents no threat to the human race. It's just basically a passive object of study now, the fact that somebody dropped hydrogen bombs on Mars uh, but is long gone uh, suggests that the universe could, can be a very dangerous place 
we already knew that. We know that a comet or asteroid could plow into the Earth and destroy all of humanity if we're not careful. So um, I've looked at various scenarios for that the government would could employ to kind of break it to the people that we're not alone in the universe. One of the ideas is, you know, discovering an alien broadcast from some other star. And, however, as Carl Sagan explored in his novel Contact, I'm sure you saw the movie and uh, or read the oh, novel. Oh, yes, oh, yes. This created a crisis on Earth because there was, you know, there was division over whether we should respond to... Um, the broadcast that we were receiving, and of course it sent us plans to build a machine, and this created a lot of anxiety on Earth. So it created a crisis, and uh, the U.S. government and, of course, the governments of the other superpowers don't want a crisis. They want to find, um, like a dead civilization that we can study, and it's primitive, it's dead, and uh, it was humanoid, looks like us, at least roughly. And this is the very best way to break it to the people, that intelligent life exists elsewhere in the universe, by so, finding so it on a nearby planet. So it's the soft sell, I guess, what you're saying. It's, yeah, it's a soft landing for the human race. What sort of... Non-threatening. Uh, yeah. What sort of indications do you have, uh, or have you had since your lecture at, I think it was the, uh, the Aeronautics Institute? Yeah, the Space Conference. Right, in, yeah. In uh, yeah. 2016, Space Conference put on by the American Institute of Aeronautics mm -hmm. and Astronautics. In, how did the uh, people Beach, respond? California. It was quite a prestigious conference, mm -hmm. and they allowed me to present it. How did the people respond to your... To uh, the response was stunned. They were stunned. Um... The room was packed. Uh, they bombarded me with questions afterwards. Um, generally there, was some, there was some um, uh, fear, I could see, on some people's faces. Uh, most of them, uh, especially the younger students, uh, uh, were just quite just mesmerized. They had never seen all this evidence laid out in this way. In a, in a, in, I was a scientist speaking to a room full of other scientists and engineers, mm -hmm. and uh, it was uh, the response was quite gratifying. It, was there any um, sort of instances of no, the data could be sort of skewed this way or skewed that way? It doesn't seem um, to be the pr provocative I, uh, opinion. I did not uh, encounter any. But, uh, you know, none of the questions, no one asked a question like this. Well, one person said, you know, is there some natural explanation for these isotopes? And, um, you know, the ensemble of evidence, I would say there is no known natural phenomenon that could cause this. Um, you know, the, the, the molten glass at the sites, the radioactive scars, the fact that the meteorites we get from Mars, some of the younger ones, show intense irradiation by neutrons, uh, and of course the isotopes in the atmosphere. Um, there is no known natural phenomenon that can cause this array of effects um, that you know that is known. It could be some completely unknown astrophysical phenomenon. Maybe a blob of antimatter fell in from space and exploded on Mars, or two of them, but. 
nothing we've ever seen can do anything like this that was natural. The only thing known is uh, what we set off on Earth. Only on a, this is a, these are these would have been weapons as big as the Empire State Building dropped onto Mars from space. Is it is it time now to start looking elsewhere in our galactic backyard for uh, signatures of a of nuclear holocaust? I'm, I'm thinking. You well, know, the, the the only reason we've been able to do this is they have investigated Mars so thoroughly in the last two decades. And uh, part of the reason that Mars has been the target of such intensive investigation is because, uh, I believe, because of the work of DiPietro and Molinar in, in discovering the Cydonia face and the pyramid. And mainstream scientists will say, oh, no, it had nothing to do with it. Mars has always been fascinating. No, before they discovered the um, the pyramid and the face was investigated, and you know two good images of the face um, at Cydonia by DePietro and Molinar, people had basically said, "Oh well, Mars isn't interesting anymore. It's just like the moon; it's dead. Um, we're going to move on to Europa, you know, the, the big moon of Saturn that starred in the uh, science fiction uh, movie 2010." Right. And that, that basically, that, that's what people's attitude with that the large planets, uh, uh, Jupiter and Saturn were, and of course the moon Titan, were far more interesting than Mars was. But I... uh, because of Peter um, <laughs> and Molinar uh, making such a big fuss about the uh, Cydonia, Mars suddenly became uh, the most valuable piece of real estate in the solar system. I'm just uh, thinking of uh, Joseph Farrell uh, and his book, The Cosmic Wars, and and evidence, uh, possible evidence for nuclear warfare elsewhere in in the galaxy. Well, it could be there is evidence that it may have occurred on Earth. Right. Yes, we can talk about Robert, uh, Robert, Robert Oppenheimer when he was asked... You know, is this the first time a bomb has been detonated? And he said, yes, in modern times. <laughs> uh, That's right. Then there's the question of Venus. Why does it spin the other way? You know, is it possible, oh, oh, a nuclear yeah, blast? We're surrounded by mysteries, and um, once you accept the idea that we're not alone in the universe, that there are other intelligent beings that would have same similar passions as our own, then uh, you have to look at everything with new eyes. Indeed. Listen, I've got to uh, take a time out. We'll come back and we'll look at some more things with new eyes. John Brandenburg, author of Death on Mars, Victor Vigiani in studio. Stay with us. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Dr. John Brandenburg, Death on Mars is the book. And uh, the website, Life, uh, sorry, uh, the website again, John, is lifeonmars.pub. Uh, life All right. All one word. Evidence of a nuclear holocaust on the Red Planet 250 million years ago. Um, we had the Drake Equation, which attempted to estimate, you know, how much. Uh, how many other civilizations might be out there? Right. And then in response to that, we had Enrico Fermi's paradox, which says, you know, why aren't they here? Well, you may, you may have <laughs> nailed down the answer. Well, uh, maybe the really and truly intelligent species out there keep a low profile. Well, uh, or if they, had, if they had... Unlike develop- us human beings who are basically holding a rock concert... And with a huge bonfire, we're holding basically a Burning Man celebration <laughs> in the middle of this ghost town that is the universe as we understand it. I mean, anyone out there who 
is looking for somebody like us could find us. The estimates are now, by the way, that we could detect ourselves within 100 light years. If somebody was 100 light years from us who had similar technology as ourselves, they could detect us. Hmm. We make so much radio noise. But if if uh, they had nukes 250 million years ago and they they weren't afraid to use them, um, maybe you know, they just didn't survive. They oh, well, I, I'm sure cosmic karma caught up with them eventually. Um, I mean, I you know you have to um, you have to figure that uh, well they ha- certainly haven't been back here to polish us off. We're still fine. Um, and uh, I don't believe you can get away with doing things like that. I just don't believe it. And uh, I also write science fiction, so I've kind of tried to kind of wrap my mind away around the entire cosmos, the, the way it may run out there. Uh, I wrote a novel called Morningstar Pass, The Collapse of the UFO Cover-Up, um, I wrote under a pen name, Victor Norgard, and it's based on the rumors I heard in Washington, D.C. when I worked there. Well, that's that's what I'd like to broach for a second. Sure. Is, is the, the idea that um, you've been, you know, you've been having your work sanctioned and legitimized by the Pentagon uh, and publishing it and... and well, not, to, not officially. Well, it'd be back to whatever, whatever, that, whatever that function is. Um, would, would, would you sense that there could be some sort of progress towards more of this kind of behavior? Uh, is, is there a plan in place? Uh, what, what, I mean, have you heard something that's going to be happening next? Like, the whole motivation of this is absolutely fascinating. Well, um, if you, you may have seen the, the superb uh, science fiction movie Arrival recently. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm itching to. It's, it's very good, and... Um, you know, one of the theories uh, in the in the community of us who believes that you know the government is aware of extraterrestrial um, presence out there um, is that this movie looks like it was kind of preparing the public for some kind of announcement or you're, something. You're connecting the dots, I guess. Huh? I'm, I guess I'm just connecting the dots. It's. Yeah, it. I I complained to a friend of mine who's a ufologist. I said, uh, I said, Don, his name is Don Ecker, and he's a really smart guy. And I said, Don, the problem with this field is there are no facts. <laughs> there are only reports, <laughs> rumors. Um, so uh, we're just sort of connecting the dots. Um, that movie was basically. I think preparing the public for an announcement that we're not alone in the universe. Are you following the uh, the, the work of uh, Robert Hastings and, uh, and and Robert Salas in regards to the nuclear shutdowns? The these craft, these people, these beings, or whatever they're reporting, well, they really like to hang around these places and shut down the machinery. Well, they yes, I've heard uh, many reports of that. Um, however, the government um, in this country went to great lengths to make sure that people couldn't do things like that. Because if somebody from outer space can do it, the Russians might be able to do it. And um, in order to keep nuclear deterrence effective, you had to have a credible strike force. Um, and so 
uh, it may be the government learned from whatever happened uh, how to prevent that. And uh, there were certainly no re- – the, the reports of shutdowns that I've heard were always isolated incidents at specific sites that maybe, you know, two or three nuclear weapon systems were shut down. And um, I also heard one very fascinating report uh, – Maybe I'll, I'll get you to hold on to that, uh, uh, Dr. Brandon Berg, sure. and we'll pick up on that on the other side. Lifeonmars.pub is the website. Evidence for a nuclear holocaust on the Red Planet 250 million years ago. More with John and Victor Vigiani in studio right after this. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show. With Richard Sarrett. John Brandenburg stays with us. LifeOnMars.pub, the website. Victor Vigiani in studio. Zealand News Network. And it's ZealandCommunications.blogspot.ca. Um, John, we were, I mentioned earlier, uh, Robert Oppenheimer, uh, uh, sort yes. of being heard off mic. I don't know if this is an apocryphal story or not, but, uh, was asked, you know, after, I guess it was the, the detonation at Trinity whether this is the first uh, detonation of a nuclear bomb, and he said, supposedly, yes, in modern times. Um, yes. First of all, what are your thoughts? I mean, the, the, there has been some suggestion that there was, um, that there is evidence of, a, of, an, of ancient nuclear war in, in places like the Indus Valley in India. Uh, yes. Uh, the, uh, the, I guess it's y- Yondo Daro uh, area, uh, there's a, you know, which means just Hill of the Dead in um, what is presently Pakistan in the Indus Valley. Um, there is evidence of the same kind of trinitite glass. Um, and there's a, the account in the Hindu uh, scriptures of what looks like an extraterrestrial colony, which then had a civil war separated into, fac- into two factions, which then had a nuclear war between them and um, they when they did uh, do excavations at uh, that as an archaeological site they found large numbers of unburied bodies lying in the streets of the ruins uh, that hadn't even been molested by scavengers you know wild dogs which are very common there indicating that they uh, you know, like consistent with them being radioactive, the whole site being so radioactive that not even wild dogs could venture there to prey on the dead. Um, What's the timeline on that? Eight, twelve thousand years ago? Uh, yes, I, I would say probably ten thousand years ago. Uh, you, it's funny you can't find a lot of information about that site. Um, the uh, Indian and Pakistani governments uh, kind of kept it quiet and um, uh, and the British government before that that was running the place uh, just kept it quiet and so I'm sure that uh, Oppenheimer was aware of that and um, and and so it's a you know we we have we have to look at everything with new eyes now we have to realize that the human race is not uh, not the most despicable thing in the universe. <laughs> Apparently, we're just part of its fabric. 
um, I explore this in the novel Morningstar Pass, which has its comic moments. Um, the there are two heroines who are a uh, they're they're newscasters on a, a network like Fox News or CNN, you know, and of course they're very both very attractive. Of course, one is Asian, one is uh, Jewish and Ukrainian. And they are then become privy to all these government documents being leaked by somebody about the UFO cover-up. So they investigate, and they, they're they talking to abductees. <laughs> they finally conclude that the rest of the universe is just as, uh, just as screwed up as this planet. <laughs> Maybe I, even more. I feel much better now. Thank you for that. Yes, I know. It's so nice to be normal, isn't it? <laughs> well... Uh, can, can you, being can you American, have, we're used to being blamed for everything. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wonder if you could share your thoughts on the, the, this whole idea of, like, and I keep on going back to it again, is the, the, the planets in place. And, uh, number one, have you ever been cautioned about what to say or not to say on, on one hand? And <laughs> h- how will this eventually play out in the mainstream? I really want to know uh, well, more about that. Uh, I think it just oh, I believe it will eventually just be discussed quite widely in the uh. open, in the mainstream press. Uh, the fact that they, you know, I was allowed to come and give a paper on it at a fairly high-profile con- uh, um, conference, space conference, indicated that it passed. It passed all of the normal places where you know you would people would have veto power. The powers that be would have had veto power over it, and um, instead, and in fact, I presented evidence uh, for the uh, just the anomalous nuclear explosions at um, the Lunar and Planetary Science Conference in 2015 and uh, that was that was allowed in people came and argued with me and uh, uh, one fellow though after looking at all of the evidence just asked me well did they do it to themselves or did somebody else do it how do you feel that the new administration might look at this information, or do they have a role at all um, in how they're participating well, in this? Every time you get a new administration, uh, you know, there's a, a you know, generally they reexamine everything with new eyes. Uh, the the Obama administration tended to be uh, kind of more introspective. Uh, they tended. Um, they weren't very interested in human space life, for instance. Uh, they were they were more interested in things like global warming and things like that. Those are scientific issues, which are certainly very important. So their emphasis was more on um, uh, the plight of the Earth rather than going into outer space. I mean, you you really and traditionally the um, liberal wing of the Democratic Party, which the President, uh, presidency represented uh, was very much um, concerned with the internal dynamics of the United States and you know making that run better uh, if they could and kind of withdrawal they they were interested maybe in academic kind of views of outer space but certainly not uh, um, not astronauts charging around. Uh, that was um, uh, that was always viewed as an extravagance. It's sort of a navel gazing rather than looking beyond. My, my I, sense is Trump I, wants I would, to go back to I the would, moon. Uh, yes, uh, your words. I would agree. I would agree with that characterization. Um, but you know, they, the, the the problems of um, 
of environmental change, uh, I, I, I consider to be uh, very real. We have to deal with that in sure. some national manner. Well, John, my sense is that, or I, I may have read this somewhere or heard it, but that, that, that Trump is, is uh, game to go back to the moon. Uh, yes, I have heard that. And uh, I, I uh, view that that is a um, much better outlook than we have had. Um, but, of course, I'm a space guy. Um, I will say that the only rational response to what we are finding on Mars is that we must become a spacefaring people. Um, We cannot just sit here on this planet and wait to be discovered by somebody else. Any thoughts on... on... We have to go to Mars. We have to find out what happened. Was there some, some very unknown, weird astrophysical phenomenon that occurred on Mars? Was it, um an attack by one species onto a more primitive species. Um, was Mars more Earth-like in the past, as, it, as all of this suggests, and then it was destroyed? We have to go up there, and we have to send people up there. You could drive rovers around. Any archaeologist will tell you you could drive a rover, Mars rover, around on an archaeological site for years and not find anything. Well, piles of rubble. Are you familiar? You dig. Are you familiar, John, with the uh, the new Ron Ron Howard production called Mars? It's a two. Uh, so far, no, but uh, it's I, fascinating. I, I'm not uh, familiar with the details of it. Do they find some uh, remains of a dead civilization or something? No, actually, it's a story of how the, a corporation took over in America and sent uh, a vehicle to Mars with a contingent of about ten people, and how they got there, while they landed, and the travails they're going through while they're there. They really haven't gotten into that. It's only been two episodes so far, but oh, let me okay. tell you, it's I, riveting. It's I, absolutely riveting. Oh, uh, that's very interesting. I. Um I guess I've been a little distracted by everything. Um, uh, to me, um, you know, there was there was the idea of the Cydonia face being a remains of a civilization in mission to Mars, um, and uh, but the most people like Ron Howard tend to avoid things like that. Um, uh, but uh, but you know, I do believe that uh, this will be. I believe very soon discussed widely in the mainstream media. Well, you were asked to publish by the Pentagon. Now you've done that. So, right. did you go back to them? Uh, did you return their, their uh, serve? No. Or? What's interesting was one of the uh, people that I dealt with at the time has now retired from the intelligence agency. Wherefore, he showed up at one of the first presentations of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I presented it at the Mars Society meeting in Houston, Texas. And he showed up just for the. <laughs> wow! So I saw him there, and we—I took him out. And we had a few beers in the local bar and discussed uh, things. And he—he um, <clears throat> he watched uh, with some amusement while I showed. Uh, you know, um, I had a private uh, viewing room where I could show people the entire hypothesis, and I showed a number of visiting scientists, particularly from Russia. And he was standing. He was sitting there, uh, uh, drinking a glass of wine, watching all of this, <laughs> obviously with approval. So, uh, so uh, you know, they. Uh, no one has told me to be quiet about this at all. Is there also some sort of movement towards a potential international flavor to all of this? Oh, uh, I was. 
sitting there at the space conference in Long Beach, and the astronauts, a panel of astronauts and NASA officials, and then um, a, an official from the uh, European Space Agency, and I think it, someone from the Soviet, the Russian space program, not Soviet, the Russian space program, they were talking about that any mission to Mars would be based around the space station consortium, which is very international. And the uh, U.S. Uh, manned spaceflight program, the human spaceflight program, is entirely geared now to um, coordinating with the Russians on everything. Now, I do not believe that will change under uh, the Trump administration. Very quickly, how do you feel about terraforming the red planet? Oh, eventually I believe we could do that. We will be basically resuscitating a planet that was similar to ourselves. Uh, you know, I don't think, I, I think terraforming is a, a little less precise than basically resuscitating Mars to being a living, uh, you know, vital planet like it used to be. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. We're going to have to have you back because I know you're uh you're um, an authority on the moon, and uh, that's kind of a favorite subject of mine. Uh-huh. Whether or not it's, in fact, uh, artificial, <laughs> we'll get into that next time <laughs> if you're good time, for that job. I think it's a ball of rock myself. <laughs> it's not uh, made of green cheese, however. No, but uh, there's some amazing coincidences, as you well know. Uh, yes, it is an unusual. It's, it is a. Uh, we are certainly blessed to have this nice moon. It's just too perfect. All right, uh, my thanks to Ian Robertson, Albert Vinzel. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, John Brandenburg. Appreciate your time. Victor Vigiani, to you as well. Back next week. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.